This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks. And we're really going to have to update that intro, actually. Kevin De Bruyne has been out for so long and Gundogan's no longer playing there. So anyway, we'll, we'll, producer Daryl, let's talk about that. So uh, we've got a packed show today. We have Euro qualifiers. We've got South American qualifiers. We've got Malaysian uh, game as well. But we've also got news coming out of the Premier League and let me introduce our pundits. We have Des Corkill. Yeah, that uh, Man City thing isn't out of uh, out of ch- tune because sustainability could come in and Man City might be stripped of that title that it was celebrating oh, as opening oh, title. So it's very, very pertinent, Cam Raslan. Oh, OK. And we have, he's an actual professional footballer. He's a defender. Uh, he plays for KL City. He is Giancarlo Galafucho. 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 Galifuco. You, you, listen, I, you've never let me down until today oh. and then you pronounce it wrong. I so got, we started I, off poorly. I got cocky. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, let's start with... Breaking news. Actually, when we were on air um, on the, uh, the Monday show, uh, or is it Tuesday? I can't remember. What day are we? We're Monday today. <laughs> oh, Friday. So the Friday, Friday show. <laughs> the news broke um, about Everton, and no one told us, so we didn't know. But we know now, and Des, Everton Football Club have had 10 points taken off. Why? Well, they broke uh, profit and sustainability rules. Basically, they spent more money by a fact of uh, £20 million more than they should have done. Uh, Everton aren't contesting that they spent more money. Uh, Everton have been cooperating with the Premier League over the last two years because they were they were in financial trouble uh, ever since the COVID times because they've got this um, stadium being built. They knew they were in financial problems, but they're in the Premier League. Um, so they've been working with the, the Premier League and Premier League have had to give a, a yes or a no, a tick for every transfer that Everton have, Everton have had to play, uh, Everton have to make over the last uh, two seasons. And uh, not that... Uh, the Premier League know the ins and outs of the accounts, but every transfer that Everton made, the Premier League would said, do you know if you break sustainability rules, you will either be fined or have a sanction against you. Eventually, Everton broke those rules. They don't contest that they broke those rules, but the 10-point deduction is what they say is far, far too much because what their actual figure that they broke the rules by is £20 over 105 million things. So it's it's a a big break, but a 10-point penalty on that is very, very tough. So they're not contesting that. What they are saying is that... um, Actually, no, not what Everton is saying. What everyone else is saying is that, okay, Everton, right, you're taking it on the chin, they'll appeal. I'm I'm certain it'll be reduced um, to five points or something. Um, They'll probably take it on the chin. But the, the question it opens is, what happened to Manchester City with their 115... Um, charges against them. What happens to Chelsea with uh, new um, uh, new allegations laid against uh, Chelsea? And if Everton take this on the chin and they say, OK, we'll accept the, the 10 points or whatever it turns out to be, um, what next for the Premier League? We are going down a very, very, very but, deep but, rabbit but, hole. But, uh, Manchester City, uh, are, they, are they the same crimes? Um, not this similar. Manchester City's is a much bigger, wider um, portion of crimes, crimes, uh, charges, allegations. They're not crimes yet until it's <laughs> it's proven. Um, uh, some are financially related. Some are for falsehood of uh, of um, 
uh, income coming in? What is it justifiable income? Should it go against uh, sustainability sustainability laws? So that is an ongoing inquiry. The difficulty here is that Everton played ball with the Premier League. Everton cooperated with the Premier League. Manchester City have put lawyers in the way at every opportunity. So the Manchester City way is uh, prove us, Pro prove that we were wrong. Everton's way was to try to work with the Premier League. And this, to me, is... It sends us down a, a dreadful, dreadful place for football because mm -hmm. we're going to be spending more time in the court of law than kicking a football. Uh, Gigi, we have established over, over the last few weeks and months that you've been in every single kind of situation <laughs> that, that a club can be. But I don't think you've ever been in this situation. I mean, I, no, 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 come I on. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but I mean, I, I look at Everton and uh, they were beginning to get their act together. Ten point deduction, they're still not bottom. Right. And if that ten points holds, I mean, I wonder what the mood is in the in the club, yeah, in the team. Yeah, you've given that coach a terribly difficult time. Um, I think, I agree with Des, where I think they will, uh, I think they'll change the deduction. I think they'll soften it. Um, I think 10 points is really harsh. But um, I just think it, 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 Des said it perfectly, but it gives the wrong message because you're showing that the people who can be a bully can bully their way out of this situation. If you are financially viable and you can be on the front foot, you can continue to do wrongdoings and just know that, well, if I stop and create as many hurdles as possible, I can get away with this. And someone who is going by the rules and showing everything up front and is taking it, they get punished. And I just think that sends a bad me message. Not everybody, of course, Premier League makes an astronomical sum of money for us normal folk, but there is that group at the top that is in a different stratosphere. And you can't tell me that people at Liverpool, United, I'm trying to think of, Spurs would think now, those ones that have the huge financial backing, that oh, if they can get away with it, you're setting up, you're, you're doing the blueprint. And I just think that's, that's terrible, man. That's terrible for football. Yeah. But Chelsea have got interesting accounting, though. They, they defer, what's it called? Uh, there's a word for it. Um, so it's a deferred payment, I know what you mean. Uh, well, uh, there's a word I'll, I'll come for up it. With it. We'll come up in yeah. part three. <laughs> but, so so they, they give um, eight-year contracts to young players. So they spread, they spread it over a, a period of time. It, uh, it's creative accounting. It's legal. This is, this is the big difficulty for the football clubs because um, it is legal to, to do this creative accounting. And, and until uh, proper um, regulation comes in, and I think this is one of the other things about the, the severity of this um, penalty for Everton, is that uh, an, uh, um, the government are wanting to put a regulator to manage football and right. so the Premier League are saying, OK, we can manage football. We don't need government interference here because that, again, opens a massive can of worms. It's, yeah. uh, uh, it's so complicated. But it, So, number one, though, Everton did break the laws. They know it, they acknowledge it, but the 10 points seems to be severe harsh. and excessive. We, we have to move on, but very quickly, Des. Uh, if the 10 points hold, will Everton survive? Well, the way they're going at the moment, yes. And I can tell you that the, the reaction back on Merseyside is, is uh, the whole of the Everton fan base are putting two fingers up to the Premier League. And they're saying, we're going to make Goodison even more of a fortress. Mm. Even if we're 3-0 down, we are going to be supporting. You wait until... Uh, they've got Man United next at, at Goodison. Yeah. You wait until you see the atmosphere there. Right. It can be febrile at the best of times. Now they've got a common cause against them. Yeah, These could be very, very interesting right. times well, at Goodison. They do have an excellent uh, goals for record. 
record. So that's an extra point already there. So, uh, but anyway, move on. And in a moment, we're going to come back to the Euro qualifiers here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam, and Des, and Gigi, and now we get into the Euro qualifiers. And we're going to start actually with Group C. Um, that's England's group. We're not going to talk about England just yet. We're going to talk about Italy. So Italy 5, North Macedonia 2. Gigi, um, it's still pretty squeaky. It could be close. It's still against Ukraine. Mm-hmm. They're going to be playing Ukraine next. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought Italy looked pretty good. As uh, Des mentioned off air, um, it was there were moments that the game was a bit dicey. But uh, the thing for me that made me really excited was that, uh, and I remember mentioning this on the show a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago maybe. I was saying that I don't know how Spalletti's style is going to work with Italian players because with Napoli, we played this style that was so athletically driven and you need specific kinds of players and we took the best from around the world we had Kim in center back and we had Oziman up front and Cavazzelli on the right and we had these players that could play this style then you come to the, the national team and Italians play a certain way so I was worried that having this super aggressive front foot willing runners sprinting everywhere even when I say that I don't think I've ever described an Italian national team to play like that. So I was worried about how that was going to come across. But this game was the best I'd seen it. And I think for me, two things are really, really important for Italy. Uh, Chiesa to be confident and Raspadori. Raspadori right now, at Napoli, he's a revelation. And for the Italian national team, he's someone who, you know, when you see players and they're going through the best parts of their career and they look like they enjoy everything. They always have a smile on their face. That is um, like contagious. You see how he plays, he scores a goal, it goes offside, but he's got a big smile on everyone. And it it kind of reverberates through the team, you know? And I think he, he's a massive thing for us and Spalletti is getting the best out of him. And then Chiesa gets a, a goal, which was a bit of a like opportunistic. The ball came, he hits it with his weaker foot, it goes into the bottom corner and then he's super confident and then he starts wanting the ball and dribbling and that's really good for him because I feel like when he made his move over to Juventus, he, he didn't uh, follow through with the form that he had prior. So these two people are really important. I think that's why the game looked so good. Um, but other than that, the Jorginho for me is scares me a little bit because he's another one who for Arsenal and for us doesn't seem to be playing like we remember him. You know, with you, Gigi, i got to keep up with, when you say we and us, <laughs> it's like, it's, so it's, we is Napoli, we is Italy. It's like... Listen, <laughs> Napoli and Italy in my veins. But then I just was Napoli co- cooked first. in Australia. Napoli first. Yeah, yeah Napoli It is first. so in Italian-like though, this team though. Uh, so Spalletti's fun. He, uh, you knew it was going to be chaotic, but it, it, it is fun. And But even in this game against North Macedonia, 3-0 up, Looking comfortable. Two goals against. Donnarumma's not the goalkeeper he was either, was he? Mm-mm. He's lost a little bit of his uh, real presence yeah. uh, since he went to PSG. And it was then down to 3-2 and um, uh, yeah. North Macedonia had a couple of half chances and then Italy came and attacked again. I, I don't, I don't recognise this Italy. I'm, I'm brought up on uh, Shirea and yeah. Gentile yeah. And, yeah. and all but, the thugs like that. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, though. I mean, I, I, you know, I've watched enough England to know that when, when things... <laughs> 
I mean, it's the players who are on the pitch. Yeah. The manager's off the pitch. And if the players are left to their own devices and things get bad, they re- revert to form. And England can become really kind of England. And I would imagine, you said it just now, Gigi, Italian players know how to be Italian players. Mm-hmm. If if things don't go Spalletti way, way, would they just sort of just become Italian, if you know what I mean? Uh, I, listen, I, I don't know because... <sighs> I've never seen Spalletti with these kind of players before. So I don't know. At Napoli, they loved him. They loved him. So maybe he's been able to win the change room over and get them to, like Ange, get them to fight even when they're 3-0 down and 4-0 down and stick to the style. But Mm. there's um, there's one goal specifically that was so un-Italian. And I say that in the sense that there's uh, two midfielders and I think it's Bonaventura. He passes the ball to the right and... Passes the ball to the right, and um, he's so animated. He's yeah, sorry, lost, I'm moving he's off the lost mic. The yeah, I apologize. <laughs> um, and the uh, Jorginho on the other side makes a forward run, and he makes a willing run out of shape, just to follow on with the passage of play. That is like the opposite of what they used to teach me when I played. Because uh, that should be what. Because he should hold. Shape. Keep so the shape. you keep right. the shape. So basically, like uh, especially in midfield, they would say like if the ball's coming up the right side the right players will go the left halt mm-hmm. in order to keep the shape because you're thinking about what could go wrong. Mm. That is not the Spalletti way. That is not the Ange way. That, that the, their game is based on the willingness of the runners. So the fact that he's bolting out when the ball's already going forward, he's leaving, he's not thinking about what could go wrong. He's thinking about what could go right. That's Spalletti DNA. Okay. All right. I learned something. So so the traditional style would just... Let Inzaghi do his thing yeah. and no one else go near like him. Del Piero, Totti and everybody defend. Right. Yeah, basically. Okay. All right. But they don't do that anymore. No, but that's what I grew up on. But yeah. Right, but they will though. And speaking of um, a whole new style of play, England. Well, you, you've got to mention, sorry, Kama, I can't oh. let you go there because Italy could still go out. Why do you have to lose to Ukraine right, tomorrow yeah. in Germany and they're out? Why do you have to put me under stress? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and right. and uh, the, the way that Ukraine play is built to capitalise on that kind of disorganisation that Italy sometimes can have. Mm-hmm. So Italy can score five, but I think that you can get at this Ita- Italian side. I'm a huge fan of Mudrik, by the way. Mudrik for, for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I think he, you get him on the ball, he's going to be a... Truly, this fella is going to be brilliant. Yeah. And I think he's the kind who can really cause Italy problems. The fact it's in Germany, in Leverkusen, is is in the favour of um, Italy. And are Ukraine still everybody's second favourite nation? Or, uh, well, yeah, what are we yeah, now? yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but hang on. Um, Gigi, Italian fans don't travel. Why not? Oh, I... I have no idea, but they don't really leave the country often, to be honest, man. Like, <laughs> I tease my family members about it all the time. Their holidays are like to Capri. They never leave ever. Capri's and, nice, though. Man, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So it's it's winner takes all, though, with yep. the Ukraine-Italy match. And uh, there are a couple of... There are quite a few Italians in Germany, so they'll, they'll, they'll have something there. Um, big game. Yeah, big game. Italy only need the draw. What will that do with the mentality? Hey, no, 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 no. We play the Spalletti then they'll, then way. They'll we revert go. to form, won't no, they? No, 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 no. Spalletti way, the Spalletti they way. They can't help themselves. England. <laughs> England, meanwhile. And, Des, I'm going to say something which I think is a bit of a... It's a bit contentious. I think that Harry Kane is very good at football. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He, he is. is. And I, I remember watching Alan Shearer back in the day and I was thinking, I'm privileged. I, am, I feel privileged to be watching this guy right now. 
I'm, I'm fortunate. Harry Kane, is, he's really damn good. Yeah, even in um, a, a really not important game against Malta, he comes up with a lovely finish. And he makes, I think the th- big thing is he makes the difficult things look so simple. Mm-hmm. That, that finish against um, uh, Malta, it, it's an awkward one. Mm-hmm. He's at a difficult angle, but yeah. he swivels his body and it just, he's into the top corner, never got hard to tap in. It's not. No, no. It's an awkward one. So I think you're right. And he's showing an awful lot of us um, what he's doing at Bayern Munich that, yeah, yeah we really should have appreciated him more um, when, when he was at Tottenham uh, because he's going to win a lot of trophies at Bayern Munich. Um, England, coasting through they're experimenting players are dropping out of the squad left right and centre uh, but they've, they've qualified um, Gareth Southgate's getting criticised even though he's winning games I think it's really tough to be an England coach at the moment because even if you win games you don't win it enough um, 14-0 that's, that's now the, that's the, uh, the benchmark uh, that's, what was he criticised for? Uh, an adventurous play Oh my so, but he played Trent Alexander. Oh, and also Jordan Henderson. He, he insists on picking Jordan oh, Henderson. Right. So, um, uh, but Henderson's kind of just sitting in the middle. He's 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 the he's the ball carrier. They yeah. they chomp. Uh, Alexander Arnold had a, a, a spell in centre mid. He persists with Rashford. He likes certain players. He gave Tamori a chance. And everyone said, "You've got to give Tamori a chance." He gives him a chance. He gets criticised for giving Tamori a chance. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But but England, they're through. They're qualified. Let's see what they do on the big stage. Um, uh, are they going to win, uh, Gigi? I mean, would you fear them? Uh, England? Yeah. Yeah, I'm petrified of this team. Really? Rashford, but, but, Kane, Foden, Gallagher, Hendo, Alex, uh, Alexander Anderson, Tamari, Maguire. Oh, Maguire. Okay, shaky a little bit. But Trippier, this team is ridiculous. And you didn't have Bellingham? Correct. True, yeah. Correct. My yeah. gosh, it's, it's incredible. That's why I was thinking, well, I don't understand what he got criticised for. For not winning 14-0, effectively. That's ridiculous. Wow. Okay. So um, we'll carry on now trying to work out who's going to play England in the final of the Euros. <laughs> um, we we do or do not think it be, we don't think it's going to be Italy. Let's just take, <laughs> let you off the hook there. Actually, one of the most fascinating ones is Group D, where we have a situation where so Turkey are through. Mm-hmm. Turkey played uh, friendly against Germany. They look they're looking really good. Um, they are very good. But then they've looked good before. They have, but uh, sorry, can I change the subject to Germany? Uh, Germany are still trying to find a little bit of um, identity. Um, New coach, Guy Havertz played left back. Yeah, what was that? So the modern way is uh, the defenders step step into midfield. Germany tried that in the most extraordinary way with Havertz playing at left back. I think he's one of those players where even the top coaches haven't worked out what they want to do with him. They want him in the team, but where to play him? Because he's not going to score as a centre-forward. He's not creating enough as a number eight. He doesn't sit enough to be a number six. He's not a winger. He's many things that he's not, but he's obviously such a good player. Every coach wants him in in the team. So they tried that and they failed because Turkey won 3-2. Speaking of that friendly match, uh, and Kai Havertz, he gave away a penalty um, with a handball. And as soon as it happened, I thought... um, I must ask Gigi, mm. are you frightened of handballs as Pet- a defender? Uh, petrified, and uh, even more so when there's VAR. Yeah. Um, there was a there was an incident once I played in an A League game, and um, I I used I was marking a player in a corner, and I used my hands for momentum to mm-hmm. to jump up over him, and as I've jumped up over him, and I've got my arm stuck on his sh- shoulder. And then the balls hit my hand. Mm-hmm. And when you see it back on VAR on slow motion, it looks like the most ridiculous error. 
Whereas mm. when it would be in, in the motion of the game, if the referee was just deciding, it would, it would just look like the kerfuffle of the box. And these kind of situations are getting, because they're happening so much now and VAR is spreading throughout the leagues in the Thai league, it was in, in our AFC. So it's going all over the all over the world, football world. It's making you hesitate as a defender. And that's makes your job so difficult because as a defender, an attacker is proactive, a defender is reactive. So for every half a second, I have to hesitate. That makes my job harder and harder and harder and harder. So now with VAR and handballs, you are so scared of the ball going anywhere near you. You may not dive with the same effort you may not shift with the same effort and you're petrified of this situation but great more goals for for, for, us. <laughs> for fans yeah yeah yes and no but football's about defending as well as attacking we don't want to be basketball where nba games are getting 154 130 and do you cheer do you not cheer yeah. um just on, on the var you know my thoughts on var I don't but, actually but there was um <laughs> there, was, there was a situation in, in france 14 gibraltar nil biggest record fabulous wonderful france gibraltar shouldn't be there blah 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 <laughs> but there was a red card for a gibraltar player for what was nothing more than an attempt to stop the ball coming into the penalty area a player got in front of him his momentum took him into the player's ankle uh, the goal was scored by Zaire Emery a second youngest ever French player to score um, France were 3-0 up but the Gibraltar player Santos got a red card for it and and uh, I spoke to Gigi beforehand and saying okay you can't can't jump unnaturally mm. yeah you can't lever you can't tackle you can't try and deflect the ball because VAR comes into play it was a VAR decision this they went back and looked at it VAR will will send you off for what well, is a clear um, attempt to, to win the ball it's a combination of VAR and the laws of the game mm. so the laws of the game are saying it's a reckless tackle the laws of the game are saying it's a reckless challenge but okay Gigi you are not allowed to tackle you are not allowed to head the ball you are not allowed to yeah. have your hands anywhere apart from by the sides and, and, and Gigi have you, have you got uh, are you on top of the uh, the uh, unnatural position hands thing yeah the, you, you have to and yeah. it, every time that I have been in that situation and I will be a thousand times you're susceptible to the player dummying because you're in such an unnatural position so yes, you you're, immediately you're, go you're like that natural position yeah. is an unnatural position yeah mm. so you immediately <laughs> go like that and if the player is smart and he cuts cuts or shifts in any way mm-hmm. I'm not as agile as I was if my hands were down mm. that's making my job even harder mm-hmm. and for me I, I, that tackle specifically when there wasn't VAR, the ref would take control of, of the game. The ref was allowed to take control of the game. Exactly. This was always my one of my big beefs. The referee's authority is completely out the window now. Yeah. Hmm. So, Des, you do have views on VAR. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. And, and maybe we'll hear more about it as, as the season's... I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, though, uh, we've got a situation in Group D where you have... It's going to be Wales versus Turkey, Croatia versus Armenia, and Croatia, um, they beat Latvia. They they have, well, they can just draw. Yes. And Wales, even if they win, um, goal difference is such that they would not... Qualify. Wouldn't qualify. qualify automatically. There is still a second route. There's a Nations League, so there's still a second route for the, the teams who come third. So you're not out. Um, oh, okay. But you, you, you can't qualify directly through the group. Only the top two of each of the ten groups automatically qualify for, for Germany. Germany qualifies, so that's 21. It's 24 competitors, so there's three other spaces still available. So Wales will probably do well in one of those other groups. But... Um, 
they go to Cardiff. They missed a chance against Armenia. They played well in the first half. Armenia went down to uh, went down early on, scored just before half time, then didn't really play in the second half. They 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 proved me wrong under Robert Page, um, Wales. They they I thought they would. I thought they'd capitulate completely, um, but they look like in Harry Wilson, they've got a player who's taken responsibility. Kiefer Moore does his job. Mm-hmm. And Perdue is a, a rock-solid central midfielder and, and they're, they're overachieving, but it doesn't look like they're going to be able to, to do it. It'll be a great night in Cardiff, be a full house in Cardiff. Um, if they beat Turkey, that'll be a heck of a result. But even if they beat Turkey, it it probably won't be enough because I can't see uh, Croatia losing to Armenia. Armenia. I yeah. can't see that happening. Gigi, uh, Wales play uh, appear to play purely on emotion. Mm-hmm. And have you, have you been in a in a team or a club that's like that? That's just you know, just go out there and just play out your hearts and just go for it. And uh... I I can't say on a consistent basis, but I I think that it's uh, it's what happens when you feel like you are the smaller team. I feel like that that's when it happens a lot, you know. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I, I feel that a little bit here mm. um, with KL City, sometimes we've we've gone to games where a lot of the times the top four or five teams in this league are f- on paper better than us or financially are much more well off than we are. Mm. So you, you play with emotion because you feel like you know you're the underdog. And I feel like with Wales it's the same. You know, I feel like they're a small country, small population, and they play with their heart on their sleeve. And even um, I'm close with a couple uh, players from the team, actually Kiefer Moore, but um, Connor Roberts. And every mm. time we play, I, I speak to him. And he, he he speaks like someone who just loves football so much, you know, whereas sometimes when I speak to other pros, it's always real calculated. And, and so I just think they're, they're, it's innate in those kind of countries that they know they're, they're versing bigger countries, bigger teams, and they're just going to put their heart on their sleeve and they love it. Yeah, and Croatia is about the same population as Wales. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they have Modric, so that's a different story. Yeah, we're going to take a break, and in a moment, though, we'll continue, and, and we will visit that match that uh, Des mentioned. The, the, is it the biggest scoreline ever? 14 14 0, uh, yes, for France, anyway. For France, yeah. Yeah. Here, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Russ, Lund, Des Corkill, and Giancarlo Galafuco. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now I, we're going to move forward now to Group E. Uh, it, it, it is E, is it? My glasses. Uh, group E. This is the France group. Group where France beat Gibraltar 14 0. And I have to say that if I was uh, a Gibraltar player that day, I, I think I would have come up with. Um, some emergency at the office. It's like, mm. I'm sorry, guys. I can't. I can't play. What mm. am I? What Stomach shame. ache. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, let's go with you, Gigi. Have you been? Have you been at the end of a, a bad thrashing like that before? The worst I've ever had is five nil, mm-hmm. and that was terrible. Yeah. So how? I mean, how that do you feel like terrible after it? Um, Does but, it linger? Yeah. Um, I think, listen, I think also Gibraltar didn't have any inkling they were going to come out of this game with anything good. Um, For lack of a, yeah. The red card changed the game, though. Yeah. And and a own, three and nil down, they goal. would have come back and won at Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> but an own goal within three minutes, like I, that's the biggest sucker punch. Then you get a red card. Yeah. Man, it's, ter- it's terrible. You're probably the best country in the world. 
you're a tiny nation and you cop an own goal three minutes in as a defender. Now I'm pretty sure it's that same defender. I think it's yes. Santos. Yeah. Santos. Then he oh, gets oh, a red card. Yeah. Then red card. Like and man, it's not, that's and destruction. And it's not like Deschamps was resting players. No, no. I mean, they were all. He was they going were all for the there. kill. He's going for the kill. I guess that's that's impressive. Or is that? It is. Listen, I want to put one here for the underdogs. I yeah. always want to put one for the underdogs because everyone's in awe of Gibraltar shouldn't be there. This is the highlight of some of these mm-hmm. guys' careers. This is wonderful. You don't want to lose 14-0. But we, you've said this, you, Cameron, have said this for years what, about what? the likes of San Marino and Luxembourg and Liechtenstein shouldn't be there. I and I, You do, you say it all the time. And I argue that it's not just about the big boys. It's yeah. not just about France. You've got to give Gibraltar... Say, say Gibraltar were able to hold on to a 2-0 loss. They didn't. It was 14. It's dreadful. But say they were able to hold on. What a day that becomes for their players. It's not just about the multi, 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 multi-millionaires. There's too much of that going on. Mm. Bad news that Gibraltar got hammered so much, but San Marino are now competitive. Luxembourg are now competitive. The only way Gibraltar will become even remotely competitive is playing against teams significantly better than themselves. Apparently the uh, stadium can hold more people than is the population of Gibraltar. (laughs) So, you know, talking about small countries. Uh, Okay, all right. We also had Netherlands. The Netherlands have actually managed to get through. Netherlands won Ireland nil. I I do believe I heard somewhere that Ireland, by losing, have created a route for themselves, Nations League or what have you. Uh, It it actually was better for them to lose. But the Netherlands are through. Gigi, um, uh, the Dutch. I I love that when they're good, I love the Dutch. I think they're most exciting. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, this is probably my, my dad's influence, but I've always just, I've never really seen Holland as like a threat. Hmm. And I, I think it, uh, it you know, like I, I, I am heavily influenced from my dad and him talking about the days of like Cruyff and Clivert and all that stuff. Um, and the, those great, great players and the beautiful football that they, they create. And then in Australia, there was a huge push for Dutch football. And I... I love the team. I love watching them play, but I just never feel like they're gonna win. No, sure. When it comes, so even when I see this game, and I, I, I apologize, it's not an exciting answer, but I just, I watch them qualify and I watch them in the group stage, and I don't know what it is, but they just don't. I never think, oh yeah, but they're gonna be there at the end. They're gonna sure. be challenging. I don't know why. I don't trash talk. There yeah, from, sorry. Uh, sorry, Gigi. sorry. Okay. Apologise all my Dutch friends. <laughs> um, not you know, any more anymore. <laughs> um, uh, Des, do you, do, do you think the Dutch are? Um, they're not the Dutch of the. They're not, but they can pull players like Van Dijk, uh, who who I think is a supreme defender, for obvious Mm -hmm. reasons. He just is a supreme defender. Um, Daily Blind's still going, by the way. (laughs) Daily Blind is still Still playing. They they always manage to produce uh, good players. You're just seeing uh, the the line from PSV Eindhoven and from Ajax, the number of good Dutch players who are coming out. Cody Gapko uh, is is playing. So there'll always be a danger. The best game I saw in the World Cup was Holland versus Argentina. Argentina, the two all yeah, went to yeah, went to penalties, yeah. and that was just pure Dutch um, bloody mindedness. They weren't going to be beaten. They were going to uh, pull something out of here. So I think they've always got a chance because they've got a little bit of silkiness, a little bit of uh, Dutch bloody mindedness, and uh, some good players. And with that, I think you've always got a chance of being competitive. I wouldn't write them off being quarterfinals. Once you hit the quarterfinals, got a chance of going all the way. But in your lifetime, 
Is this one of the weaker squads? It's one of the weaker yeah. squads. Yes, of course yeah. it is. Um, again, I was brought up though on Cruyff and that yeah. great Ajax team. Um, it's it's one of the weaker squads. But if if you've got a good goalkeeper, and they have, Verbruggen's a good goalkeeper. If you've got a, a top central defender in um, uh, Van Dijk, Van Dijk. Uh, and you you'll, you can score goals as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> With our panellists here, we got one goalkeeper, Des Corkill, and one defender, Gigi. So the most important positions are <laughs> goalkeeper and defender. The rest of them, they just run around fancy... Clean sheets win leagues. Correct. They just run around Correct. fancy work and all that kind of thing. Um, look, you, do you guys want me to go through, um, listeners, do you want me to go through all the... There are so many... And I don't think any of us have really got much to say about Albania versus Faroe Islands. Uh, Apart from the fact Albania have qualified. Albania, one of the teams who you would have derided, Kamraslan. They have qualified as group winners. I, and I want to not deride them. That's not now, not now they're winning. But when they were losing, when they were losing 8-0 to England, you were happily deriding them. <laughs> hey, I like when Des is on here. He comes for you. Oh, dear. Okay, then, Des, name me three Albanian players. I don't know three Albanian players. <laughs> but, but they're your favourite team. They're not. I'm just happy that they're, they're, they're proving that it's not all about the big nations. We're not talking just about France and Germany and England. We're talking about Albania. All right, I want to talk briefly about Denmark, then. Uh, Denmark, I think, started off... Uh, not so well, but they've they qualified, they're top of their group. And um, uh, I mean, not a fantastic group, Slovenia. Uh, there you go again. Wow. <laughs> and Slovenia <laughs> second. Okay. But Denmark, Denmark, I mean, people were saying, like, you know, that's the end of the, the, the Dane. The, the, their showing was very poor at the World Cup. And um, you saw them play, didn't you? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, do you think that I mean they got some? Have they got new players? I don't know. You 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 like the smaller teams? Go on, tell me. I do like the smaller teams. Uh, uh, Denmark will uh, they'll still re- rely on some Ericsson. They'll still rely on a little bit of creativity from them. Uh, they always produce strong defenders. Christiansen is at Koswesi now. Is he at Barcelona? Yeah. Yeah. So they've got um, a, a sprinkling of players. Denmark have always done this. As have the Swedes. They've got a sprinkling of good players uh, littered around the leagues. So, again, they'll be competitive. Nobody expects them to, to repeat 1992. Nobody, <sighs> that ever. Fa- that was fantastic, though. Uh, it was that crazy. Was, that was really Nobody. Great. But, but I, I think for it's a bit like Australia. For a nation like Denmark to get out of the group phases of the World Cup um, or, or of the Euros is, is, is an achievement mm-hmm. in its own right. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a bonus. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quickly go through the, the countries that have qualified so far, and I want you to spot the, the ones which you think might be outside chances. Okay, Germany, Spain, Scotland, France, England, Turkey, Albania, Belgium, Belgium again, Netherlands, Austria, Hungary, Serbia, Denmark, Romania, Switzerland, Portugal, Slovakia. Gigi, who do you think? Portugal. Yeah, you, you really, really love Cristiano Ronaldo. I do. You? Why? Because he's so good. And, <laughs> and I, I just love that he just keeps defying the odds over and over and over again. And I love how hard he works and his character. And I just think that after all the stick that he copped after the Man United situation and stuff, I, I saw a statistic the other day that in this calendar year, he's like one goal off Erling Haaland or... Uh, with the amount of goals scored and, and Mbappe and stuff. Like, he's doing that at 38 years old. And then in, in the the last game, he was unreal. Most of the chances were through his runs or through his shots. So I'm really, really hoping Portugal do well. Okay. That's- Hungry. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so bizarrely, I, I knew a lad called Callum Styles, or I knew his dad, who is Barnsley born, and he plays for Hungary. Uh. So I ke- kind of kept kept an eye on before uh, Soboslai came came on it. And Hungarian football has just been slowly, slowly, slowly improving. Uh, they won their group. Um, they yeah. did it in some style. Uh, again, it, I, I think it's it, it, you make it beyond the knockout stages. It's a real success for Hungary. In Shoboslai, I think they've got a, a, a real superstar. Uh, solid goalkeeper as well in um, Peter Golashi, who used to be at Liverpool. Uh, Adam Lang's a decent player. And they've also got a player who plays in the AFC Champions League, um, uh, Martin Adam, who plays up front for them as well. So he plays for Ulsan Hyundai. So it's uh, so really traditional uh, Hungarian names there. It, uh, there's not a lot of traditional names knocking around the world yeah, of football true. these days, Cam. True, the, true. the laws have changed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay so uh, alright um, let me choose one uh, um, England uh, says Cam with originality no, I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about who, who, who are they going to beat in the final um, it'll be France I mean come on let's, be, let's get real so uh, we'll take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about Asian and South American qualifiers here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 more football when we come back Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back with myself, Cam, Dez and Gigi. And now we're going to be talking about Asian World Cup qualifiers. And Dez, you were doing the commentary for the Malaysia for Kyrgyzstan uh, or Kyrgyz Republic? Kyrgyz Republic, yes. Uh, three. That, I mean, we, had, we talked about it uh, the other day and Azran was saying it's probably the most thrilling Malaysian match he's ever seen. It must have been quite something. Yeah, so as a commentator, I, I, I am very, very lucky. You have some dire games. You have some dreadful ones. But occasionally you get a game that really makes it worthwhile. Um, and the, the, the portents weren't good going into it because uh, it was a lacklustre press around it. There was a lowish crowd of about mm. 18,000, 20,000. Malaysia had lost their last home game to Tajikistan, who have a, a similar style to the Kurdish Republic. And uh, the portents weren't good. But Malaysia came out, played well. Um, thoroughly deserved the early goal they scored through Dion Cools were dominating then conceded two not bad goals but defendable goals Mm -hmm. Um, and were suddenly two on down at half time Lack confidence in the first 15 minutes of the second half. Kurdish Republic came out, brought a couple of fresh faces on, scored a third, and you thought that was it. Then Arif Ayman. I've been, I've been lucky to watch Arif Ayman's development since he was at um, uh, NFDP, and then he moved to Johor, and I've seen him on the AFC Champions League. This, kid's, this is, kid is good. Mm-hmm. He's, very, he, he's, he's strong. He's got the belligerence of Fernando Forestieri. Mm-hmm. He's learned that from Bergson, so there's a little bit of a, a nasty streak for him. In commentary, he, he put. A, I said he made a couple of naughty tackles. He was on a yellow card. He made a couple of naughty tackles that could have seen him red cards in the first half. But I like that in some ways. So long as you don't get the red card, mm-hmm. he came back and he just tormented. Really clever. That 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 it. He didn't score. He had four assists. Um, but for the second goal, the one that launched the comeback. He'd seen the goalkeeper, the Kirsch goalkeeper, gambled to his right to save a couple of crosses in the first half. So he just puts the ball along the byline because the Kirchner Republic goalkeeper dives out the way. So Arif has got beaten his man, shown cleverness in a really difficult situation. Malaysia back in the game and then you really felt this, yeah, this was going to happen. There was something in it. Zain Labdin on, on the Malay commentary said, the comeback is real. It's, it's a famous line that's gone viral. And you felt it in the crowd. It felt like there were 60,000 in mm. there. It was wonderful. You felt like Malaysia believed in themselves. Kim Pangon is he's a nutcase on the sideline. That was inspiring the players to go forward. Still a bit scary watching Malaysia defend. 
Mm. But going forward, if you get the ball to Arif, you get the ball to uh, Mickey, otherwise known as Faisal Halim, um, you add the, the, the work rate. Paolo Jazui came on as well and, and, and made a contribution. Endrick came on, made a contribution. And you felt this was going to happen. The equaliser came through Dion Cools. And then last minute, more Arif magic. Little one, two, lovely pass to Mickey, scored. Here's the kicker. If VAR was there, the goal would have been disallowed. Huh. Um, Faisal was offside. Was he? If ah. VAR's allowed. All right. Thankfully, no <laughs> VAR. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? He's got this wonderful situation. Yeah. Oh, sorry, everybody. Yeah. He had a toenail <laughs> offside. <laughs> let's let's destroy the hopes of a nation. Uh, so, Gigi, you 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 saw you saw the match. How how did you think? Yeah, that um, I was I was very very happy because the. Uh, the shift in the game's momentum happened when uh, Daniel Ting, Paulo Josue and Endrick came on. So, yeah, three subs, yeah. Yeah, so that for me, one, it showed um, the coach knows what he's doing, obviously. But um, I, I, I loved it because I think that's a really good sign of the mentality of a change room. So when you have like the bench players come on and even at that score line feel we can still do it and they're still running and they're still willing because you sometimes... Football is a human, and you can see as the, so, so many times when a bench player comes on or a sub comes on, and he's looking to I want to just earn my spot. I want to play next game because you guys have played poorly. That happens a lot. Unfortunately, people are looking out for themselves. Instead, these three players came on, and they tried with the utmost confidence to turn the game around. And even the the second goal for Malaysia, it's Daniel Ting's cross. Correct. It's Paulo's header that he kind of scuffs that goes to Arif Ayman who crosses and then boom. So I was I was really happy to see that, see the momentum change with three of my friends and see the mentality of the Malaysian team what, still believing that they could, they could get something from the game. When you cop two goals, bang, bang, in a row, and then you start the second half, okay, guys, we try to shake it out and you cop a third. That can destroy a team, yeah. destroy a team. So I was, I was really, really, really impressed. So we are, we are supposed to talk about Asian qualifiers and also about South America, which eh, sounds like whatever. Um, we, may, we may. But what does this do for Malaysia's chances moving forward? So this is the first of six games in the group. Um, so it's a, it's a joint Asia qualification and World Cup qualification. Now it's Asia 2027 that they're qualifying for. 2023 hasn't played yet. Malaysia are playing in that next month uh, in, in January and February in Qatar. But this is the start of the 2027 campaign in Saudi Arabia. I am completely confused. That is, okay. how is that? But it's six teams. The top two teams in each of the four, 14 groups make it to the 2027 Asian Cup finals. So this is good for Malaysia. They play in... Uh, in uh, Taipei against Chinese Taipei uh, tomorrow, uh, live on Astro. Sadly, not me. I'm down in Singapore. I'm doing Singapore versus uh, Thailand instead, which should be fun. Um, uh, and then they play Oman. So Oman, Kyrgyz Republic and Malaysia are probably the three teams who will contest for the, for the two, two spaces, providing Malaysia don't take the Chinese Taipei challenge tomorrow um, uh, uh, too, too comfortably. Too lightly, yeah. So that's the easy part. As part of World Cup, well, uh, there's a third round and a fourth round element, but let's just worry about making the top two. If you make the top two, you're in the Asian Cup Finals 2027 and you're also through to the next round of the World Cup qualifiers. Yes, it is confusing. That's four years from now. Yes, it is. I mean, it'll be, it'll be the, the players' grandchildren playing. But. Yes, it will. <laughs> Arif will be in the peak of his, of his form. Yeah. Um, Paolo will be 40. <laughs> OK, OK. All right, then, a uh, quick trip to... Actually, before we go to South America, before we go down, down south, Gigi, um, I've got to ask you, 
You you got an injury recently. How's yes. your in, you, what happened and how are you doing? Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I was in a semi-final in Terengganu and I was trying to score a goal and I hit the crossbar and the defender's head hit my face. So I have three fractures on my cheekbone. Uh, fortunately for me, no permanent damage to my eye or anything, but uh, it means my season has fim- finished prematurely, unfortunately. So I can't play these last three league games, um, which obviously I'm devastated about. Um, but I'm very, very grateful it could have been worse. Uh, they said that the fracture was near an optic nerve or something near my eye. A lot of uh, big words that I don't know how to say, but I just know that I'm lucky that it could have been mm. a lot worse. Um, and my face is a little bit numb. Which there's I can't, I can't see it. I mean, you can't see anything. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Because suppose supposedly this part is two millimeters in, so this left side of my face is two millimeters mm, indented. Mm. So, but yeah, um, it could be worse. It could have been worse. Uh, I was just sad that uh, it robbed me of the last twenty minutes of the semi-final. And mm. I'm sure you know me well enough, but Des definitely knows me as a player. That's that was the the biggest punishment for me because until the final whistle, I want to be giving my utmost, and I couldn't. And uh, so how long will you be out? And when you come back, you're going to have a mask? Yeah, so six weeks I can't head out, I can't challenge. So that's the season over. And then six months I have to wear the Zorro mask. So next year, if I score a goal, that'll definitely be my celebration. And Des, uh, in your illustrious career, you've had you've had the same injury, haven't you? I had the same injury. I've got no nerves down the left-hand side of my face. So if anybody wants to punch me, and yes, I know there's quite a few about there who do, <laughs> yeah. punch my left side, okay? Don't worry, Des, you've got plenty of nerve. Um, so uh, let's go to South America way. And the only thing that sticks out to me is that Brazil in the World Cup qualifiers, which is... The upcoming World Cup, isn't it? Des is not Correct, like, it's yes. not like 10 Actually, years Actually, no, it's time. the 2048 World <laughs> yeah. Cup. Qualifier. Yes, okay. it's the up- upcoming World Cup in, in, confusingly, United States, Canada and Mexico. And Brazil right now are sitting in fifth place. This is after five games, though. And five, it's five goes through. Seven. Seven goes through. Six and a half. Six guaranteed and then one half space for um, to be played off for. Right, okay, so I'm trying to kind of create some kind of uh, tension. tension, but it, it really doesn't exist, does it? The, uh, Argentina is sitting on top, but they lost to Uruguay, and Uruguay are managed by Marcelo Bielsa. They are, they are. It, this was at the um, uh, the Boca Stadium, the, uh, the, the Chocolate uh, Box, which is mm. one of my must-go-to stadiums. Terrifying, I understand, because it's uh, in a dodgy part of Buenos Aires, but what an atmosphere in there. They were quiet. They were silenced by mm-hmm. Uruguay. Bielsa's got them playing. Darwin Nunes scored late on. Um, but, uh, yeah, Uruguay, Bielsa has this magic, mm. but only for two years. Yeah. So he'll be hoping that he can carry Uruguay through because a good Uruguay is is great for any World Cup. They, they bring something to the table. I bet you like Uruguay as I a do. defender, don't you? I do. I can't stand them. <laughs> but you love that kind of thing, don't you? That's I do. Dirty. I do. I do love it. Yeah. Sorry, I do love it. I do love it. And Bielsa's always had that reputation. I mean, I, I have to say, when, when Bielsa kind of like came on the scene, for me, I'd not heard of him. But everybody was like, oh, Bielsa's like the god. He's the the, the greatest manager of all time. Um, I was I was made aware of him because I was listening to Pep Guardiola speak about him and speak about him like he was an absolute genius. But I hadn't actually heard of him prior to that. Hmm. 
My brother's saying with me, but Des is shaking his children. Yes, is, indeed. Uh, yeah. Sorry, he, he was famous before before your time, Cam. Yeah. But then again, you used to think Leicester were called Leicester United, didn't you? So I, 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 <laughs> they're called Leicester Rovers. <laughs> I know, Leicester Rovers. Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> So, have we run out of time yet, producer? Oh, no, we've still got time. He's still going to pick on me. Um, okay, all right, I'm going to throw this over to you then. Uh, what's the story in South America, Des? So, um, Argentina, top of the pile, despite that defeat against Uruguay. Uruguay is second. Brazil are the surprise package, down in fifth. Um, two defeats, two draws. They, they lost um, themselves, 2-1 at Colombia. Luis Diaz scored twice mm. uh, late on. Uh, there was man, a, huh? a viral piece where Alisson, the Brazilian goalkeeper, conceded two, went over to give uh, Diaz a, a big hug. Um, sometimes I think the emotion in football is overdone, but I think if your father's kidnapped by <laughs> terrorists, uh, yes, yes, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but brilliant result for Colombia. Brazil, because so many go through, they won't be worried. But there'll there'll be um, there'll be a kickback against Brazil. The fact they've lost two, so I think that they are going to have to kick back against Argentina. This could be feisty. Brazil, Argentina, at the best of times, can be really feisty. And um, with both teams on the back of losses, yeah. And that's in Brazil. In Brazil. Okay. Um, uh, Gigi, uh, South American uh, team. That, I mean, you like Uruguay. Would you, Uruguay? You'd like them to go the furthest. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. But yeah, I, to, to, to be honest, I. I just like I like uh, countries that have that identity. That's and you are absolutely right. I do like I like the the Diego Simeone kind of teams. You know, I like I like those feisty teams. Um, so I I hope so. But I I just wanted to say on on Des about speaking about Brazil. Is Neymar injured? Yes, yes, he's, he's out for the season. He's, so he's, he's bad injured. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, a huge ACL, loss. ACL yeah. problem. That's a long huge, time out. It's yeah. a huge loss for them. Okay, so well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Um, and I would like to thank Des Corkill for picking Beating. picking on me. <laughs> My pleasure. Don't forget the uh, Chinese Taipei versus Malaysia, seven o'clock Astro Arena tomorrow. And and how do you think? Uh, Malaysia to win. Malaysia good enough to win. And on the back of the um, the drama of the Kurds Republic game, I think they've got to win and they will win. Oh, they could be a bit exhausted after that. I mean, it must be energy, emotionally savvy. Yeah, emotionally savvy, but that puts you on a high, Gigi, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're, you're taking momentum into the next game. And if you have a good start, um, Chinese Taipei had a trip to Oman where they were well beaten 3-0. Uh, they haven't had a, a lot of good results, Chinese Taipei. Mm. They are the whipping boys, to use the, mm. uh, the correct phrase. OK. And thank you, Giancarlo Galafuco. Uh, so you will be just sitting on the sideline, getting fat, eating too much, and etc. Uh, etc. Et basically, yeah, basically, and then yeah. hopefully every now and again I'll be sitting here listening to Des tease you. So <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah well, that, that we can guarantee that. <laughs> um, okay, thank you so much, and uh, thank you to producer Daryl and myself, Cam Rasland, and see you next time here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.